Hey everybody, welcome to Us Outspoken. You're joined here today by Chris, Gabby, and Matea. And here today, we're going to be talking about eating the rich. Okay, so eating the rich is definitely a, a slogan of today that's uh, been going around. And it's kind of getting traction around um, Gen Z, Gen Z media, especially on TikTok and Twitter and lots of other places. So just to provide some context, um, this slogan has been ge- getting some really, really huge traction online. And so we're going to be discuss we're going to be discussing on the merits and debating on whether or not this seems like a plausible t- thing to do. So eat the rich is actually part of a quote. Um, it's attributed to Jean-Jacques Rousseau, who was a figure from the French Revolution, but um, there has been debate as to whether or not this is true because the paper trail kind of runs thin during those times. So the fuller quote is that when the poor shall have nothing more to eat, they will eat the rich. So and historically, um, the French Revolution is known for, uh, for being caused because of um, famine and lots of economic disparities between the rich and the poor, and that's why they kind of revolted in order to start a new government that uh, seems to be a bit more, um, I, would, I would say, a bit more uh, equitable. Would that be the right word? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, like the end of a monarchy, so yeah. So I guess. Okay, so it's becoming relevant again because the digital age is starting to reveal the disparities between the economic lifestyles of two opposite ends of the spectrum. So with that mm-hmm. and their and the revival of this of this feeling of economic resentment, so it brings up several um, several difficult questions, and it, a lot of it involves ethics and economics. Uh, and one particular, one particularly tough one, and and, it, and I think it's quite interesting. Is it ethical to have billionaires? What do you guys think? Um, personally, for me. I don't think that it's ethical at all to have billionaires. Um, in fact, I don't think there's even such thing as an ethical billionaire because, you know, becoming a billionaire logically um, means that you would have to exploit, like, the working class or l- the labor of the masses or whatever it is that you want to call call it. Um, so take for, take, for example, Jeff Bezos or Bezos. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Um... He has a net worth of more than $100 billion, right? Somewhere around like 119, 120. The numbers might even go up today. Um, But still, we see, you know, situations of the Amazon warehouse or Amazon workers or employees making $15 an hour and even being fired over the smallest things, such as like breaching their, um, breaching their like, uh, what do you call that? Like Their bathroom breaks or, or oh, yes, yeah. sort of like the smallest things like skipping bathroom breaks or just like um, things pertaining to their productivity and so on and so forth. So the question is, is it really ethical to have, let's say, um, someone on the top of the chain earn $100 billion while smaller, um, while, while people working under that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in the lower part of the pyramid earning like $15 an hour? Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I personally don't think that it is ethical for anyone, in fact, to have a billion dollars um, without exploiting, you know, the labor of the masses. So yeah, I think for me, when you look at that, look at it that way, 
uh, yeah, of course, what you're saying is true. Like, uh, the majority of Amazon workers probably only make fifteen dollars an hour, which is like the minimum wage, perhaps. Uh, mm-hmm. However, I think we also need to look at it from the other perspective, in which why a billionaire isn't is actually being a billionaire is actually quite ethical. Like, if we look at Amazon again, like mm-hmm. Jeff Bezos, for example, for instance, um, we we can look at it from the way in which, like, how many jobs have he created by creating Amazon? Uh, because, as you guys probably know, Amazon is like a retailer, right? Where people could yeah. sell anything they want that right. they make or, yeah, that they buy from somewhere else and resell it on Amazon. Okay. And I think we should look at it in a way in the f- from that perspective in which... How many jobs have he created for other people and how he helped a lot of people like get their products out. Like for instance, before Amazon, uh, maybe someone making something in Colorado would find it really difficult to sell their products in New York, for instance, because of the distance and nobody's really aware of his product. But now like from any state in the US, you can actually sell your products to anywhere around the world with ease and with very in very in a very simple way mm-hmm. and i think mm-hmm. it's only fair for jeff bezos who work hard on it because like no, i guess it's like nowadays we see amazon as this big corporation what, right. but what yeah. we don't really see every day is the fact that it's actually self-made in a way that uh, he really when he was like still very when amazon was still very small like he did all the hard work and now he's just getting fruit from his labor and but we don't really see that he, now because he's very wealthy and we assume that he doesn't really do much mm-hmm. anymore right but i think we could look at it in that way and see how it's very ethical to reward people for their hard labor so yeah that's i think my opinion. i think like perhaps like what what you're saying like his climb towards success okay this is like about jeff bezos by the way not like the whole like billionaire ethics but yeah. i guess it, it ties in um, I guess, mm-hmm. like, for him and actually many other, many other quote-unquote, you know, self-made billionaires, mm-hmm. um, probably in the start, they were self-made because they started their own initiative, um, whether it's, like, in their, I don't know, in their garage or, like, just um, just things pertaining to that. But I just feel like, um, like, theoretically, I just feel like it's impossible for you to earn a billion dollars the only way that you can actually, you know, uh, get that much money is by accumulating it through, like, the work of others or investing it from what you have earned. So it's um, something very similar to, I guess, monopolies, if we were, like, to bring an example of the situation of, like, mm-hmm. gaining wealth. Um, it's just something very interesting to point out as well, because um, when we talk about, you know, the rich, the general feeling, and actually, like, I feel like the main argument sometimes is that um, the rich is like the feeling of getting rich is good for people who get rich, but overall the money, which would like eventually trickle down Mm -hmm. to make everybody in society better off. Doesn't necessarily, it's like, it's not necessarily guaranteed if that makes sense. Okay. Um, Yeah. So I guess that just goes like back to Chris's point, but yes, he did create jobs for people. And yes, um, um, he probably did help a lot of businesses thrive through like Amazon um, and the whole like e-commerce boom and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but this whole trickling down effect of, I guess, 
um, spreading wealth to everyone isn't necessarily equal. And I guess that's like the main argument. That's why I say that it's not as ethical as, you know, what people think think it is. Yeah. So I think what Gabby was saying uh, is actually true. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like what you said, like the wealth that Jeff Bezos generated, like it doesn't trickle down to everyone equally. But, but in a sense, uh, it's not meant to be equal. Like our society, like human society, isn't meant to be equal where everyone gets the same amount of money by the end of the day. Uh, definitely, some people will end up with more, and some people would will end up with less. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think in the case of Jeff Bezos, yes, definitely he gained much more than anyone else in this world, probably like as of now. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, by doing the things he did with Amazon, he's actually promoting uh, new things that actually makes our society better off as a whole. Because, for instance, like when you mentioned Monopoly just now, yes, mm-hmm. the system is definitely cruel when it comes to Monopoly. However, the Monopoly that Amazon have over the retail industry isn't really like to the point where it's like deadly for other businesses because it only controls 56% of the market, which mm-hmm. meant that... Mm-hmm. It can't really increase the prices of their products without like, without losing customers or yeah, basically those kind of things. And also, I think we need to look at it in a way that uh, businesses like Amazon, which has a lot of money and Jeff Bezos to a certain extent, who's like mm-hmm, the owner, yeah. uh, actually that money is what enables them to do research that benefit our society as a whole, like research mm-hmm. and innovation and all those things. And I think... As a whole, those things actually benefited our society. Yes, perhaps they should invest more on helping other people, like making, right. reducing mm. poverty or providing yeah. Medicare for all, for instance, if some mm-hmm. of people do actually believe that's very important. And uh, But at yeah. the same time, I think we need to understand that uh, people like Jeff Bezos like or billionaires, uh, actually they need an incentive to do what they do because if for instance like if we want to eliminate the billionaires and prevent Mm -hmm. people from acquiring billions of dollars uh, Mm -hmm. what incentive do they have to continue working as hard as they do now or like to expand their business Mm -hmm. like there's like quite not a lot of incentive to do anything like when you reach like 999 million dollars for example right Right. and yeah I think we can look at it from that way yeah um so I wanted to add um, some added perspective for this question on is it moral to be a billionaire? And it's it's not necessarily an economic kind of perspective or is it um, on ethics, but it's a lot of it has to do with uh, psychology and sociology. So the mm. big word for it is meritocracy. So it's basically it's the thinking that um, the harder you work, the more you'll be rewarded. So um, the better character you have, essentially, especially in the workplace, you'll be rewarded more handsomely in terms of material and financial gain. But uh, it's, it's true. You, you ha- it's important to be a good person, you know, to, be, uh, to have integrity in your workplace and to work really hard and to stay humble despite um, all that you go through. But in reality, it's much more complicated than that. Just because you work hard doesn't necessarily mean that you'll earn more life has a lot of variables that affect your journey from um quote to quote rags to riches right so that's that's the reality so it's not um 
it's not an absolute law that if you're it's like if if you work the harder you work the more you earn it's not like that the reality is it's really not like that mm -hmm. and that brings me to the point that uh another perspective not another perspective but another point is that upward social mobility is a difficult thing to do and it's and it's not and it's it's not the norm i would say it's like it's like not a one in a million thing either though but it's it's just very hard for a person to achieve and that's that's from michael hout who's a, re a researcher and he did that uh he did that in a paper in 2018 and it it kind of brings forth the notion that wealth tends to be inherited than worked for so see um the rockefellers and um i, I don't know other big american families mm -hmm. with lots and lots of money so it kind of brings me to the point where i think that oh meritocracy is probably a myth and meritocracy is a myth and that's sort of like you can't really blame someone who who earns less than you like you can't point at them and be like oh you don't work hard enough that's why you don't earn enough money and I don't, i'm not saying that all billionaires think this but um there's a tendency that people who believe the world is just and believe in meritocracy are most are more likely to justify inequality and victim blame bringing uh, bringing back to the to the example that you did gab uh, of executives mm -hmm. exploiting their workers and that's a very real thing that despite all of the economic uh, opportunities that like billionaires give to regular people with who learn less as income yeah uh, they don't it's like despite the better position that they have as, uh, economically that doesn't give them like let's say the right to um victim blame and point at point fingers and be like oh you don't work hard enough that's that's not fair life life is not fair yeah i would say right so people have to understand that wealth isn't an indication of one's capacity for moral for for one's capacity for compassion or moral character and this can mm -hmm. have especially important implications on making public policy and that's going to we're going to talk about that later mm -hmm. but um there's this one last quote that i want to make uh one last quote that, quote i want to read to you guys um just to kind of seal my point um from Sarah Kenzior a political author when wealth is passed off as merit bad luck is passed off as bad character but poverty is neither a crime nor a character flaw so we should stigmatize those who let people die but not those who struggle to live yes i definitely agree with you matea with regards to meritocracy and how the world that we live in today doesn't always reward us based on our merits or hard work this is particularly true in the form of material rewards such as wealth As most wealth are usually inherited, we can argue that people who work less hard than others may be able to accumulate more wealth. However, it's worth noting that the wealth that those people have are the fruits of their parents' hard work and labor, whose hard work could sustain their offspring for generations to come. Furthermore, providing for one's children may be the motivation behind parents' hard work. As such, it's only fair that these people are allowed to keep their wealth. Quite frankly, some people are born with silver spoon while others not so much. As cruel as the system may be, there is virtually no way to make it fair for everyone, and the only thing that our government could do is introducing estate tax for inheritance, which most governments already implemented anyways. I guess I guess the point that you're trying to make here is that um there's nothing wrong with inheriting 
inheriting um inheriting something from like your parents right from like your family and that's and that's just that's just circumstance that's just life it just so happens to be part of the opportunities that you have like in order to like kind of um establish your uh economic standing i guess so there's really no complaining about there's really no way for us to complain about it it's not it's like one that's not really our our property and like not within like our realms but um it's just life basically like if you want to put it simply it's just life yes and who would refuse a billion dollars <laughs> as an inheritance right true <laughs> essentially you get it for free <laughs> so yeah <laughs> So I, I I definitely agree with what you guys are saying um, when it comes to inheritance and, you know, the fact that there's not much that we can really do mm-hmm. about it because it's it's something that's like you know, inherited, something that's given. Um, but the problem here is that, you know, if if such an if we're if it's um, in such an instance where this inheritance keeps on continuing, yeah. I feel like the problem of economic inequality will still keep on continuing. If not, it can even like be worse. Um, and you guys mentioned on, like, there's nothing, wait, you guys mentioned, like, there's nothing we can do to somehow, um, um, to some, to see if, like, how well, how well off someone can be. Wait, let me fix that sentence. Um, but I feel like there should be a limit in how well off you can be. And I think this actually goes back, this goes pretty back to, like, what Chris said before, before what he just recently said, but he he mentioned something of um, an incentive, right? If 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 there were no billionaires, then what would kind of incentivize people to work harder? Um, I personally don't find that I don't I don't really find that um, an argument because a um, billion dollars is a lot, right? You cannot I feel like you can't even conceptualize a billion dollars um, yeah. in terms of wealth because even if you're a millionaire, that that amount of wealth it it can all it can already be used for all of your basic needs and it might even fulfill some of your luxury goods like some of your luxury needs as well so i feel like a billion dollars is just it's hard to conceptualize um so overall my point would probably would would be that incentives aren't really a reliable indicator of you know i guess how much hard work billionaires put put in because um yeah because even so even if you are a millionaire, like all of your basic needs, your luxury needs as well would be fulfilled. So there's not really a plausible argument, you know, as to as to why you should earn as much money as like a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with that, let's move on to our next question. So this second part of the podcast, we're going to be talking about um, as a continuation to talking about billionaires and and ethics. um, This was a question submitted by one of our dearest friends and who's uh, one of our most loyal listeners, Althea. And it's based upon one of her questions. So the question is that, is it possible to get rich people to end financial crises and other social issues that require big funding? So this goes in terms of food and water insecurity, education, health, etc. What do you think? I think if we look at uh, historical events, mm-hmm. such as in the case of the, the panic of 1897, where a billionaire of that time, J.P. Morgan, actually managed to help save the U.S. government from uh, essentially being bankrupt by selling gold, offering his gold to the U.S. Treasury to back the U.S. dollar. 
mm-hmm. then I think mm-hmm. when you look at it that way, then yes, it's actually theoretically and practically possible for billionaires like JP Morgan to actually bail the US government out and also help prevent financial crisis. Uh, mm-hmm. However, uh, actually, we also need to look at the context behind this in, in the sense that these things happen in the past where the regulations back then allow it f- to happen. Uh, however, I think when we look at the modern perspective from our mm-hmm, current right. view, I think it's very unlikely for people like JP Morgan to emerge in our world today who could really solve financial crisis because... Quite frankly, the billionaires today aren't as rich as him. Mm. And uh, another point is that actually the billionaires of our time today, uh, they aren't as rich as what it seems to a certain degree. Because uh, so like people like Jeff Bezos, because for instance, the wealth of Jeff Bezos actually isn't as much as we might think because it's actually based on the value of Amazon stock. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, which meant that uh, Jeff Bezos actually doesn't have $200 billion cash, like the majority of it being Amazon stocks and shares, which meant that he couldn't necessarily do what JP Morgan did in the sense of like offering the US government actual money and to help the US government prevent the financial crisis. So essentially, it's like just to kind of make this a bit clearer for our viewers who are or for our listeners who are not mm-hmm. as like economically savvy um does this mean that um essentially much of Je- jeff bezos let's say net net worth is is actually just amazon's net worth and like it's like not, his personal money is not enough to like cover like do what jp morgan did like a billion years ago right? uh yes right uh like it doesn't it doesn't necessarily belong to amazon uh, but it's sort of like tied to Amazon in the sense that it's very tied to Amazon fortune. So, for instance, mm. if Jeff Bezos were to liquidate all his stocks, mm-hmm. yeah. all his ownership of Amazon and convert it to cash to help yeah. like finance something, mm-hmm. then essentially Amazon would like not necessarily collapse, but they would suffer greatly because they will lose like 16% of their market capitalization or market value, basically. I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's 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 interesting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like the question the okay so um so as to like the question that you were asking, I feel like yes, it is possible to get rich people to end financial crises and you know other social issues. Um, mm-hmm. However, it's definitely not gonna be simple. Um, for me personally, yeah. I think it definitely depends on the scope of issues. Um, mm-hmm. Example. It, it definitely depends as well on, like, I guess the country of the billionaire. Um, uh, let's say you're uh, a billionaire of country A. It's not, it's not like you're actually going to fund, or sorry, not fund, but, like, help out with, like, the social issues of another country. Um, because I feel like that would definitely be something that's, I, I don't know, is, is, it, is the word unethical? Or, or is it, like, it's just kind of unreal. it's like it's, it's unlikely right? yeah it's very it's unlikely for them to fund something that's not from like their own country or but doesn't benefit them directly right it's it's exactly it's it's very unlikely um for i guess billionaires to do something like that um and mm-hmm. second i actually want to bring up a pretty interesting point this is um it's it's from this book called inside philanthropy um basically okay. a book on like big money giving and this the author um 
of this book, um, David Callahan, he basically said that wealthy people don't tend to usually give back to the society or like fund, I guess, big social issues or, you know, big um, financial crises sometimes uh, because uh-huh. they're they're too busy to research charities and they can't find money tied up. Uh, they can't they can find, um, you know, the right charities to actually donate to or. Um, OK, wait. Did that make sense? Like, they, they, it's it's a hassle, I guess, to somehow, quote, to quote, redistribute your wealth to the right places um, is what mm. I'm is what I'm trying to say, um, which does make sense, because that's, I guess, essentially also the role of why NGOs, why, why we have NGOs, why we have small community mm-hmm. building programs, why we have, you know, smaller charities, which work um, hand to hand on like various fields. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's also a big problem of why we can't just say, oh, um, this billionaire will f- will basically end climate change, right? Because um, how, like, where where is he or she gonna put, you know, his or her money into? It's it's just like it's a very tedious process as well because it's not like you can just yeah. spend it all on, I guess, one particular I don't know, like infrastructure, one particular organization. The money definitely has to be, I guess, spread out to you know a wide variety of, I guess, organizations and whatnot. Um, which is why mm-hmm. I say it's a very tedious process, right? Because it is, it is. If we were to f- solve or fight for a big issue, it would definitely require a more um, complicated, you know, process in doing that. Yeah. So if the question is still, the, I think the point that the the general consensus here with, uh, from our discussion is that is it possible to get rich people to end to like give money towards, um, you know, like ending food and water insecurity, education, health, and things like that. Yeah, they definitely do. They, they have the means and they have, um, and they have the means in terms of like um, fi- their financial quantity and things like that. But does it mean that, um, that they will? Does it mean that are, are they going to? Not necessarily. It's like there's a lot of logistics here that we have to consider. And a lot of that is kind of um, a bit... It gets a bit convoluted, especially if there's mm-hmm. a lot of um, if there's different countries involved and different regulations from each uh, from each different country about charitable giving, and um, there you might want to do it through mm-hmm. an NGO and things like that. That's where it gets complicated. So, do they have the means? Yes, but will are they willing to go through, um, let's say the 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 complexities of ha- of going to of doing this charitable giving? Maybe not. It depends on it yeah then again it all comes down to um the goodwill of their hearts okay so with that i think i'm gonna throw another i'm I'm gonna throw out another question to the both of you so should rich people be obliged to give back more to society or should it's like in the context of like government policies and things like that what do you guys think um so for me i would definitely say that yes rich people should be obliged to give back more to to society um however we shouldn't only focus on philanthropy yeah. or charitable okay. giving right as much as that's useful as much as the um bill gates and melinda gates foundation as much as how helpful those types of foundations mm-hmm. are um we also have to realize that philanthropy um is is more of doing a service right it's a choice and it's not something that's of a legal obligation 
uh, like taxes. Mm -hmm. So I feel like in this situation, yes, rich people should be obliged to give back more to society, but not just through, you know, philanthropy, uh, but perhaps the government should also take regulations in terms of taxes um, and especially wealth, which which would definitely help out, you know, wealth redistribution in our societies. Um, Yeah, so I think taxes play a really big role in, you know, wealth redistribution, obviously. Um, And one important tax that we should also, I guess, focus on um, in terms of, you know, taxing billionaires is Uh certainly is wealth tax. So not just income tax, not just inheritance tax, but your wealth overall. Uh, Yes, I think I think it's good that you really bring that up in terms of wealth tax and uh, yes, I think uh, to start, I think I would agree with the both of you that I think, yeah, rich pe- people are actually obligated to give back more to society mm-hmm. than those with less means. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I think in the case of wealth tax, especially the one that Senator Elizabeth Warren proposed in which uh, basically the idea was that if you make above $50 million, uh, then every year they will like take 2% of your wealth like your entire wealth so everything including your asset would be included in that wealth Mm. calculation and take Mm -hmm. two percent of it every year and if you have more than a billion they will take three percent of it which doesn't seem much actually like yeah it doesn't seem much so to speak but uh, the problem with uh, implementing things like wealth tax is the fact that uh, it's very difficult for billionaires to come up with the money the 3% money to give back to the government to for the government to redistribute it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, uh, like what I mentioned previously in the previous segment, mm-hmm. like billionaires' net worth are actually tied up with their assets. And yeah. they couldn't necessarily, like, for, ex- for instance, in the case of Jeff Bezos, if he was to pay a wealth tax, he needs to, like, come up with $6 billion cash and give it to the U.S. government. Yeah, that it right. uh, it almost doesn't make sense to like suddenly liquidate six billion dollars, right? Yes, and it's very difficult. Not just doesn't make sense, but also it's very difficult for him to do so because mm-hmm. whatever he does, it will actually affect a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Like if he decided to sell like six billion dollars worth of Amazon stocks, mm-hmm. the the price of like Amazon stocks would like plummet, and lots of people lo- would lose money right. because of that. And the effects would be very bad for the economy as a whole if somebody decided to do such thing. And also, I think one thing to note about, like, Elizabeth Warren's wealth tax plan is, like, the difficulty to, like, enforce it in the sense that, uh, like, countries like Sweden and Denmark and even France actually tried implementing this before. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, it didn't really last long. Like, mm-hmm. they only last a decade and they decided to stop it entirely because it's very easy to, like dodge this thing like yeah. for instance if yeah. we want if we don't want to pay wealth tax we could just like uh renounce our citizenship of a certain country and just like change to another one and, and like move someplace mm-hmm. else basically right yeah. yeah like the cayman islands or mm-hmm. yeah some island in the middle of the pacific <laughs> yeah. which doesn't have any wealth tax yeah and we can get away with it and i think one good case studies france where when they implemented it uh mm-hmm. i forgot the exact number but i think it's like 40 thousand or even more millionaires or maybe it's not 40,000 but mm-hmm. yeah actually maybe I should research that but yeah less of millionaires actually left France and moved their assets overseas yeah yeah and to avoid getting that tax so okay. yeah there are a lot of drawbacks in it I think yeah right. okay. I wanted to I want to again I don't 
I, I don't have much of an opinion on this, and I just, I just like hearing the debate. Um, I wanted to add some uh, perspective because I did research on this. So there's uh, Elizabeth Warren's plan is to basically increase taxes on the wealthy, right? So um, I kind of understand why there, why there would be a lot of trouble enforcing it, and how it seems kind of unrealistic to suddenly demand, let's say, Jeff Bezos like six billion dollars in cash, you know, mm-hmm. to pay taxes. And but I also think I also understand the rhetoric behind it, you know, like. Um, it's like you want to be like the country has to be more equitable and things like that. You have to give more citizens more opportunities, especially in terms of finance and economics. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's important to mention that um, money has diminishing returns, especially when it comes to happiness. So right. Um, we were about to explore on that on the on the last question, but I but I thought that it was better to mention it here. Um, so mm-hmm. essentially, the more money you have, you're only happier until your basic need- needs are met. So um, right. in simplest terms, if you if uh, a new car will make a millionaire very happy, that's no doubt. But it will substantially make a person who's never owned a car more happy, if you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I kind so I understand that why why there is a push to create some sort of radical reform in terms of um in terms of like economic policies and tax and taxation but at the same time like i understand i also understand that it doesn't seem like a realistic thing to do it it's like it seems good it seems like a good idea but not necessarily so in practice mm-hmm. um all right well personally for me i definitely understand both of your arguments and um to an extent yes i do understand the whole argument with putting a wealth tax on bezos bezos um but <laughs> overall i just think that if we were to tax him and gain six billion is that correct six billion from him over his 190 plus plus billions of dollars it yeah. would not it would it wouldn't really negatively affect him um on a personal level, right? I don't think yeah. it, that it would do that. However, I feel like it does, it might um, affect, you know, Amazon as a whole and not even just, not, and, and specifically its workers. Um, so yeah, I think that's a big challenge that is, yeah, I've, period. Yeah, I think I think that's, that's um, where most of this argument comes from. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, I have one last thing to throw at you guys, and uh, I wanted to tie it back to the original title of our of this podcast episode, which is "Eat the Rich." And so um, we mentioned at the start of the episode that "Eat the Rich" has been gaining traction over the internet, and um, and because there's a growing rhetoric of like um, of kind of the 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 best way I can put it is um, kind of class resentment it's very marxist but um (laughs) but there has been growing rhetoric especially in younger generations which is like uh, gen y gen z and they're going back to the to the thinking that oh um they're going they're they're leaning towards like um progressive and socialist leanings Mm -hmm. and that's why they have a lot of sympathy for um politicians especially american politicians like um, elizabeth warren and bernie sanders so what do you guys think about that so Okay. What do you okay. what do you guys think of today's fight for economic uh, economic justice? I think it's very interesting, mm-hmm. like especially when we look at it from today's context, because it's true. Like uh, as as our society progresses, and lately there's been like a recent wave of 
economic justice mm-hmm. and people saying that there should be more economic equality in this world. Mm-hmm. And I think we could also see it in the sense that I think wealth is becoming increasingly irrelevant, especially for younger generations. Like, uh, I think a good example of this would be, I think back then, like, maybe our parents' generation, like, yeah. their goal is basically to own a house, own a car, have a living, mm-hmm. yeah, and like, yeah, and that, mm-hmm. and that's it. Mm-hmm. But I think for our generation, it's even more interesting in the sense that uh, our generation nowadays actually cares a lot more about things such as like climate change, social justice, yeah, and right. everything else more than our like net worth or personal wealth. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, I think we could see this in the form where if we look at young people nowadays, they prefer, for instance, using Uber than owning a car and driving a car themselves. Uh-huh. Some people actually mm-hmm. feel that way. And also, yeah, and in many ways, that's why those services now exist, like yeah. Uber and, yeah, whatever else, Lyft, yeah. Grab, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's interesting to see our society changes. And, yes, definitely, mm-hmm. like, people like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren have very interesting ideas on how the world should be more equal mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, basically create a utopia where society is very equal and people have what they need, like Medicare and education and everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I think at the same time, as great as it may sound, I think it's quite unrealistic uh, to actually achieve that mm-hmm. uh, because definitely some people, even until now, have ambitions. And yeah, I think I still stick to the fact that people need incentive mm-hmm. to do something. And I think we can take a look at history where like countries socialist countries like the soviet union and china to a certain extent Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. never actually managed to reduce poverty and in fact the welfare of people in the ussr compared to the us Mm -hmm. are actually much worse and people are people have less access to resources and Mm -hmm. yes i think in my opinion socialism isn't something that could be implemented realistically for our world at least Mm -hmm. not today Mm, yeah that's Um, interesting for yeah. me, for me personally, it's very interesting that you brought up the argument that like, um, I guess millennials today, or, or sorry, not not just millennials, but like Gen Zers, like kids of today, um, it's that we don't really care about wealth as much as the older older generation does. Um, I feel like to like to an extent, I guess that is true, but I don't think it's that we are against having wealth. I think it's just the fact that we now realize like the big implications of what um mm-hmm. not really wealth but let's say capitalism right because i feel like it's it's all really rooted in that we we see like all the ill effects of you know capitalism and how it creates this unequal class hierarchy and and mm-hmm. um, massive inequalities in not yeah. just the us but in a lot of countries as well and i feel like as of today we are starting to kind as we as we realize you know the um the problems of these we sort of want to fix it right we want to do something about it so i feel like that's mostly what the fight is for um yeah and i think it's also important that we realize i guess what type of socialism we're referring to here because if we're talking about like um sanders type sanders um aoc it's mostly referring to democratic socialism right it's yeah um it's a subset of socialism but it's definitely not the same thing as you know it's not really the, it's not the same thing as um your good old fashioned 
you know, communism where it's like communal ownership of production. It's definitely different than that. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting. Some people refer it to refer it to as diet communism um, because it also because it involves <laughs> it involves like you know more innovative um, like fresh ideas that's definitely fitting mm-hmm. with like this millennial with this new generation. Um, yeah, and yeah, all in all, I guess from if I were to like say there like a democratic socialist's argument would be that they want to end capitalism in the in the long run um and their eventual goal is basically just to i guess promote the needs of every citizen um rather than you know produce produce um like massive profits for only like the top 1% or the top 2% um so yeah and and then I feel like it does tie in with our entire argument of you know talking about billionaires and whether it's ethical or not uh, because we do see every day, like every year, I feel like we see this economic equality gap growing. And I think that's the problem that we are here to like address. Um, yeah. So I guess uh, to close it off, I think the both of you have very interesting comments about um, about the about this kind of movement on the Internet um, as as it kind of manifested into eating the rich and things like that. And um there's definitely reasons why that maybe in the in in realistic terms that um uh that policies that tend to lean toward too radically towards like socialism don't tend to work out and but we also have to understand the rhetoric mm-hmm. behind it and everything like that so it's the way i see it at least um in its simplest way, eat the rich as a slogan and as a movement. It can be just boiled down to as a rallying cry for systemic change. People are start people are starting to see that it's that they're unsatisfied with the with the disparities between like the two extremes of um, the economic systems and they're fighting for something better and that's and that's just the essence of humanity. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April, shot down in May. But I know I'm gonna change that tune. When I'm back on top, back on top in June.